Hi, this is Chris McGregor. The work of Discerning Hearts really could not continue without your prayers and support. Between now and December 31st, please consider making a year-end tax-deductible gift to Discerning Hearts. We are a 501c3 not-for-profit organization. Your donation is fully tax-deductible to the extent permitted by law. Click the Donate button on DiscerningHearts.com or inside the Discerning Hearts free app. Your generous support will allow us to continue producing the type of spiritual formation programming you have come to expect from us, like those from Archbishop George Lucas, Father Timothy Gallagher, Dr. Anthony Lillis, Monsignor John Essef, and so many more. Please prayerfully consider supporting our mission, which is dedicated to those on the spiritual journey. Thank you, and God bless from all of us at Discerning Hearts. DiscerningHearts.com presents Inside the Pages, insights from today's most compelling authors. I'm your host, Chris McGregor, and I am delighted to be joined once again by Joe Paparaki, who has served as National Consultant for Faith Formation at Loyola Press. Joe, who has over 40 years of experience in pastoral ministry, has authored over 20 books on catechesis and pastoral ministry, and has presented in over 150 dioceses in North America. He received his Master's of Pastoral Studies from the Institute of Pastoral Studies at Loyola University of Chicago and has his Doctor of Ministry from the University of St. Mary of the Lake, located at Mundelein Seminary. With Joe Paparaki, we go inside the pages of Eight Steps to Energize Your Faith, published by Loyola Press. Joe, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you, Chris. It's great to be here with you. I loved Eight Steps to Energize Your Faith. When I picked it up and I started reading it, I went, oh my gosh, I'm just getting energized holding your book. I just think this is something that's important for people to touch base on. So thank you so much for writing it. Well, you're welcome. I, I appreciate that. And, you know, I think the the timing on this was good, you know, although we're still coming out of the, the pandemic experience that sapped a lot of energy out of us and and we have all kinds of challenges in our, our society and our country and our world that sap a lot of energy out of us. And sometimes I think we just need a shot in the arm and, you know, just a reminder that God is near to us and is eager to share his life with us, that divine energy that I talk about in the book. And so we just have to find more ways to tap into that. You had me at George Bailey and Elijah. I've come to a whole new appreciation in the last few months about the prophet Elijah having gone to the Holy Land and kind of experienced it through his footsteps. Yeah. But then I, when I saw your book and then you, you connected him to George Bailey and to us, to our own experience, then I thought, wow, now this is important. So thanks for doing that. Yeah, you know, the Elijah story of him, you know, falling asleep under the broom tree. I mean, we teach that to kids, and it's kind of this cute story that he's taking a nap and so on. It's a it's a heavy story. I mean, he lays down under that tree, and he wishes that he will never wake up again. I mean, these are deep, despairing thoughts, suicidal thoughts. Uh, he wishes not to live anymore. And George Bailey, of course, has the same experience where he, he decides that, you know, he's worth more dead than alive. That's pretty serious stuff. Now, not all of us are, you know, considering such a, you know, a desperate move, but, you know, all of us get tired of life sometimes. And, and sometimes we just 
are looking for that energy to, to really want to live again, like George Bailey says when uh, he's coming out of his uh, time with Clarence. You know, I want to live again. I want to live again. You know, I think coming out of the pandemic and, and out of so many other challenges that we face, our, our souls, our spirits are just sort of crying out, I, I want to live again. I want to live again. And so, yeah, those seemed like a couple of good examples to bring in. And and I was intrigued too how both of them, um, it's by the intervention of an angel. <laughs> we, we know Clarence for George Bailey. We don't know the name of the angel that intervened for Elijah. But it means divine intervention, that God comes to our assistance during times like that. And, and so I just thought, I think anytime we're dealing with despair, uh, it's a reminder that we are dealing with a spiritual issue and God is ready to intervene. What I find fascinating about Elijah is the fact that he was successful. He had done what he was supposed to do. Everything was supposed to work out. Now he's under attack. And someone's out to get them, and it's not working out the way that it should have worked out. And how often is that present in our own life experience where we are doing everything we're supposed to do, and it seems like there should be success, and yet it just turns on us. And then we wonder, well, you know, where are you, God? What What's happened? Yeah, you know, it's sometimes it does feel like, you know, every good deed <laughs> turns into some kind of punishment for us. You know, that uh, we, we're doing everything we're supposed to do, but somehow things still turn against us or things don't turn out or we're getting no appreciation. And, you know, so to, it's, it's, it can be a very frustrating thing. And, you know, very often doing the right thing is not popular or affirming. And so we can, you know, really, really feel like, you know, we are being punished for for doing well, uh, for doing good deeds, so the way Elijah felt. So, yeah, this is not a matter of, of failure. People can feel despair in the midst of what looks like success. I mean, how often do we comment about people who, you know, have done something drastic, you know, such as, you know, taking their own life, a celebrity, for example, and we're like, you know, gosh, all that money and all that fame, you know, that's no guarantee. And, and so Elijah doing God's will, there's no guarantee that your life is going to become problem-free and cure-free. So and I think it's a, it's a great story for us to ruminate on and to, to recognize how this happens in people's lives. I love Eight Steps to Energize Your Faith because you do help us to have that conversion experience or help us along in that. And of course, we know that conversion is an action word. It's not a static. And no matter where you are in your faith life, we're called to constantly be turning even more towards Christ, to God. And that can be hard. Sometimes we get stuck, don't we? Yeah, we do. Uh, I, I've been stuck many times in my spiritual journey. You know, I, I think what I, I wanted to do with this book was I wanted to to really speak to those people who are saying, you know, I'm I'm spiritual but not religious. You know, I I've, I've there, I have a special place in my heart for people like that because while I love my religion, being a Catholic, I I, I love my tradition. I I can understand how people are fed up with certain aspects of religion, and yet they're 
searching and they say they're spiritual and I want to help them find the spiritual in everyday living without being overly churchy on them. So I'm not embarrassed of my, you know, religious background and my practices as a Catholic. I'm not trying to hide them, but I really tried to get outside of the the church building, so to speak, to offer practices that are, are everyday things that, that someone who is is thinking, well, I'm I'm not ready to be, you know, darkening the doorways of, of a church right now, but is God still available to me? And, you know, I come from an Ignatian background, you know, I work for Loyola Press. <laughs> and so we, we believe, as St. Ignatius taught, that we can find God in all things. And so I think maybe that's a first step back for some folks who are spiritual but not religious, is helping them recognize the, the spiritual and and then you know hopefully at some point being able to invite them to see well how can our a practice of religion strengthen that but but I, I I think that you know God certainly can be found in church but God created all of this creation and can be found in every aspect every nook and cranny of creation so yeah practical ideas that people can find in everyday living. I think that's key. The part of us, especially those who do have a relationship with Christ and find its fullest expression for us in the Catholic faith, the rubber hits the road and we have to trust that he will, in that other person's heart and soul, work his grace and work with that person where they're at. Our job is to to love them in that moment. Those are the two great commandments, right, Joe? I mean, it's uh, love God and love your neighbor. So in loving them and helping them with your good example, your own faith life, it will move them, hopefully, towards him into that fuller experience, that fuller communion. Yeah, precisely. You know, I, I think I would never look down my nose at someone who is saying, okay, I'm spiritual, but not religious. You know, it's easy to just say, oh, that's ridiculous. And so it's like, well, this is where a lot of people are at. So let's let's take them where they're at. You know, again, St. Ignatius said that when you're trying to persuade someone to a way of thinking that you should enter through their door and then try to lead them to what he calls your door or God's door. And so it's taking people where they're at. And so if this is where people are at right now, then how do we meet them there? And how do we help them to recognize that uh, what we celebrate in our religious tradition is the fact that God is with us all the time. We, we sacramentalize that uh, we, as a way of our worshiping, of making it more concrete for us. But we don't have a monopoly on God's presence. <laughs> um, God is, is present in and throughout all of creation and all of our experiences. So yeah, it's it's you know taking people where they're at and uh, loving them, as you said, Chris, and showing them perhaps a way of looking at things a little differently than they have before. It's difficult to help others until you can't get what you don't have. It's difficult to help others until we can kind of, as you call it, energize our own faith. I mean, yeah. it should be the best that we can be in that moment. 
Exactly. And I think, you know, anyone who calls themselves spiritual, that that suggests that there's some reflection going on about the spiritual life. You know, so uh, this is an invitation for people to do some reflection on their spiritual life without getting too heavy into church traditional practices. You know, that that hopefully will will come. I'm, I'm not at all suggesting that, you know, we don't need that at all, but I'm just trying to take people where they're at. I love that first step, recalling that God is a creator from that very first section in Genesis. A long time ago, when I was having, I would say, a little bit of a crisis in my own faith, something captured me in that beginning of Genesis. I just happened to be reading it, and it just dawned on me, my goodness, he creates, 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 and then he gives, gives, gives. And we're created in that image, and so we should tap into that part of us that is the creator. And what I mean by that, by creating, that quote from Maya Angelou is so wonderful. You can't use up creativity. The more you use, the more you have. And so I think that is a a first step. I thank you for bringing that forward. Well, you know, creativity is in our DNA. And because we're made in the image and likeness of God, who scripture says the, the first thing that God did was to create. And, you know, I always say that the Bible begins with an arts and crafts story. Basically, God mm-hmm. crafts, you know, the entire cosmos out of nothing. And uh, and then he creates us in his image. And so we are co-creators with God. We conspire with God. All the materials that we use are already created by God. We can't create something out of nothing. It's the the illusion that a magician tries to <laughs> pull the wool over our eyes and say, I can you know, pull a rabbit out of a hat. Um, we can create, but using all of the things that God has already created, we can then become co-creators. And you know, a lot of people, I think, will think about themselves, say, well, I'm not that creative. Okay, and I'm not talking here about being another Picasso. We don't have to, you know, get a canvas out and start painting portraits. Uh, We don't have to become a professional photographer. We don't have to write songs. All of us create. One of the best examples, I was giving this presentation, and I asked some of the people there to share what they create. And a woman said, I create Excel charts. You know, I work in the business office and uh, for the parish. And I create these charts all the time, and I love it because every chart I create tells a story. (laughs) And I thought, that's what I'm talking about. That's creativity. It doesn't have to be overly artistic. And so everyone should stop and think about, you know, what am I creating in my work or in my leisure, in my hobbies? But it doesn't stop there. We can also feed off of other people's creativity. You know, this is why we we go to the theater and to the opera and to symphonies and concerts, because being around other people's creativity feeds us and energizes us. So there's so many ways that we can get in touch with creativity. And in doing so, we're experiencing that divine energy of our own creator. We'll return to Inside the Pages in just a moment. Did you know that Discerning Hearts has a free app 
where you can find all your favorite Discerning Hearts programming, Father Timothy Gallagher, Dr. Anthony Lillis, Monsignor John S. of Deacon James Keating, Father Donald Haggerty, Mike Aquilina, Dr. Matthew Bunsen, and so many more. They're all available on the free Discerning Hearts app. Over 3,000 spiritual formation programs and prayers, all available to you with no hidden fees or subscriptions. Did you also know that you can listen to Discerning Hearts programming wherever you download your favorite podcasts, like Apple Podcasts, Google Play, iHeartRadio, Spotify, or even on Audible, as well as on so many other worldwide platforms. And did you know that Discerning Hearts also has a YouTube channel? Be sure to check out all these different places where you can find Discerning Hearts Catholic Podcasts, dedicated to those on the spiritual journey. A Prayer of St. Ignatius of Loyola Take, Lord, and receive all my liberty, my memory, my understanding, and my entire will, all that I have and call my own. You have given all to me. To you, Lord, I return it. Everything is yours. Do with it what you will. Give me only your love and your grace. That is enough for me. Amen. Discerning Hearts provides content dedicated to those on the spiritual journey. To continue production of these podcasts, prayers, and more, go to discerninghearts.com and click the donate link found there or inside the free Discerning Hearts app to make your donation. Thanks and God bless. We now return to Inside the Pages. We're talking with Joe Paparaki about his book, Eight Steps to Energize Your Faith. What I also appreciated in the book, Eight Steps to Energize Your Faith, is that after each section in a particular chapter, after you've gone through and kind of broken open that thought, you give a type of question or a challenge. The word, I think, is perfect, pondering, a kind of alexio for that chapter, so you're not rushing past it and missing something. Yeah, you know, our model for that is our, our Mother Mary, uh, how often in Scripture says that she pondered all these things. And again, I think that is a big part of the spiritual life is is pondering, that we, we ponder experiences, we ponder things we see, we can, you know, look out the window and ponder a, a sunset or a, a couple of birds flying around, we can ponder an exchange we just had with someone in a conversation. This is what it means to be spiritual. Uh, St. Ignatius really taught us, he didn't use these words, these are mine, but he taught us that God is usually more visible in the rear view mirror of life. Mm -hmm. That as we look back and ponder, then we can recognize God's fingerprints, his footprints, whatever metaphor you want to use. And so that's why St. Ignatius taught a prayer like the daily examine. It's, it's pondering. It's saying, go back over your day. You know, look at the everyday things that you did, changing diapers, washing dishes, going to work, taking the train, having a conversation, having lunch, uh, anything, whatever it is. Look back, ponder over that day. Oh, where do you see God's presence? Where did you... Become more aware of that presence? What are some things perhaps we did that took us away from recognizing that presence? What are we grateful for? Very simple exercise, but it all comes down to 
to pondering as uh, Jesus' mother did. I thought that there was a definition of authentic spirituality that was contained even in this section where you said authentic spirituality, our hunger for meaning beyond that which meets the eye, cultivates creativity. Authentic spirituality, a, a good aspect of it is that our hunger for meaning beyond that which meets the eye, that's the quest, isn't it? It is. It is absolutely crucial for all of us to have a, a meaning and purpose in life. I think that's what each of us seeks every day. Why should I get out of bed today? And when despair overwhelms us, that's when we feel like we have no answer to that. There's no reason, no good reason for me to get out of bed. And that is despair. And so meaning and purpose are absolutely critical. You know, you think of Going back to the the old Baltimore Catechism that some of us remember being taught, it began with a question: you know, Why did God make me? <laughs> what's what's my purpose in life? What's the meaning of life? Um, Saint Ignatius and his spiritual exercises begins with the the principle and foundation. You know, what is the meaning of life? What is the purpose? Why are we here? And so that's a, an authentic spirituality deals with that question. Why am I here? What is my purpose? What is the purpose of my everyday activities? And what our tradition wants to offer people is that we, our purpose is to, to know God, to love him, to serve him. And what a wonderful thing it is to be in an intimate relationship with our creator, so yeah, I really do believe that's at the heart of authentic spirituality is that reflection on the, the meaning and purpose of our lives. You'll go on to say that ourselves in touch with God because we must rely on what God has already created. You've said it before, but if you're a chef, if you're a florist, if whatever you might do, you might be home, you might even be the homemaker that is creating that place for your family. God is helping you in that movement. And part of what this particular chapter, this first step in energizing your faith is just that recognition and then entering into that great dance with a creator who wants to be a part of that day, of that activity, that creation that you're working through with him. It's overwhelming to think that God is really interested in me while I'm washing dishes <laughs> or doing something mundane. Or like you said, especially you know, when we're creating something, that this is the good news that Jesus came to proclaim, that the kingdom of heaven, the place where God dwells, has drawn near. God has drawn near to us. So what does that mean in everyday life? If, if we're spending the majority of our time doing what seem like mundane, trivial things, and our tradition is saying that God is with us when these things are happening, then we can experience the Almighty in the most simple, mundane moment. Now, that takes a little doing. I'm not just saying that, boom, there it is. You know, we have to continually work at developing that eyesight to be able to recognize and reminding ourselves, okay, this isn't just a waste of time, that this is, you know, part of my meaning and purpose in life is to, you know, maintain a household. And that means washing dishes and mopping floors and doing laundry. 
It's a way that I show love to my family or my spouse and, and so on. So it takes some pondering to do that. And I, I, I believe that's what a tradition does for us. I think a tradition, a religious tradition, compels us, I don't want to say forces us, compels us to ponder because otherwise we can become mindless. We can just go through the actions. We need a tradition that says, okay, stop, reflect, ponder, and search for God. Now, I want people to run out and get eight steps to energize your faith so that in each of these steps, don't think that what Joe is saying is the complete aspect of this because you do guide at souls that are reading this very carefully through these different steps. And I love the steps that we take in the second part of this, and that's a delighting in all of creation. And you are, you know, you're the good son of Ignatius of Loyola, but here you tip the hat to St. Francis. <laughs> yeah, so we always think of St. Francis uh, when we think of uh, nature and outdoors, and rightly so. It is no accident or coincidence that retreat houses all over the world are always placed in pastoral settings so that during the retreat, people can go outside. I think we all know that there is something, something deeply enriching about being outdoors, especially when the weather's nice. You know, I live in Chicago. It's not always nice to be outside. <laughs> but, you know, but even in the snow, it still can be beautiful. It is. Oh, I've had beautiful moments in the snow and, and just, you know, watching the beauty of that. And, you know, so God created all of this and then he delights in it. Uh, scripture tells us that beautiful story of Adam and Eve looking for God and they, they heard him uh, taking a walk in the garden you know, during the breezy time of the day. What a beautiful image that God is just delighting in, in his creation. And so we as well uh, can do the same thing and just recognize that sometimes we need to get out of the, the, the high-rise building we're working in. You know, I'm on the 11th floor right now of a, a building, business building, but I'm looking out the window at just beautiful, beautiful scenery there's a forest preserve across the street. So all I see is green. There's a couple of hotels, but then it's just all green and it's just gorgeous. And so during my lunch break, I'm going to step outside and take a 20 minute walk. Why? Because that reminds us of presence of God and the beauty of God. And it renews us. We feel renewed when we've spent some time outdoors in nature and so, yeah, that was deserving of an entire chapter for sure. <laughs> I loved it. And even though in the next step, simplifying your life, essentially, that you may not have mentioned St. Benedict, but he's in there too. Do you really need it? You have to ask yourself, can you let go of it? What are you clinging to? And especially in our culture, that's a tough one. It is. And I did mention St. Benedict, but not in that chapter. I talk about him in the chapter on relationships because his rule certainly taught us about relationships. But, oh boy, you know, yeah. certainly he taught us about simplicity as well. And we live in a society of hoarders. I mean, we are taught to, to gather things and to hoard them. And that can become even a serious syndrome that people fall into being a hoarder. Are you looking at my office right now, Joe? <laughs> I wasn't pointing any fingers now, Chris. Okay, okay. <laughs> All right, okay. 
You know, when you, you look at scripture right to the, the very beginning of salvation history of God intervening in the lives of the Jewish people, whose lives did he intervene in? People who were slave, enslaved, you know, not, not rich, powerful people. He entered the lives of people who were really nobodies to what a person who's enslaved is. And so God always seems to have a preference for the simple folks, the, the folks who, who live a simple life. Jesus was born in a, a manger and a stable surrounded by animals. He, he was born simply. He lived simply. He spent his time with simple folks. So much so that people thought it was scandalous. You know, the, the big shots were like, why isn't he spending time with me? I'm the big shot. Instead, he, you know, prefer to spend time with the, the simple folks. So simplicity is something that's close to God's heart. And so I think um, when we can simplify our lives, both in terms of possessions and in terms of uh, time, we're closer to God's heart. We're, we have more space within our own heart to find the true joy. Uh, possessions don't bring us true joy. They, they bring fleeting happiness. And so it's important for us to, to, you know, clear out and recognize what really brings us, fulfills us, and that is the grace of God. Again, I keep saying it. I love this book, Eight Steps to Energize Your Faith. It is, I was going to say your life, but I, I guess if you're energizing your faith, they walk hand in hand, don't they? I mean, no matter what you're going to go through. They definitely do. And if they don't, then then we need to ponder <laughs> what's going on in our practices, uh, religious practices, because it has to connect. Our faith is, is what uh, gives us meaning and purpose, as you talked about before, Chris. You know, so when I, I find myself, you know, down at a dumps, uh, just the other day, I was having a day that I just, you know, was... Uh, just everything wasn't going well, right, and I wasn't feeling great and kind of down in the dumps, and I was taking a walk outside, which, again, I kind of forced myself, get outside, do something, and I just started, I reminded myself, okay, what are you thankful for? A little gratitude, and so I just started doing a little list in my head of what I'm thankful for, you know, just to sort of you know, reboot, reboot the system, and and get in touch with you know what I'm truly grateful for, and and where I'm going to be able to find energy because let's face it we're we're not always feeling it so to speak we can spiritually you know drag through the day and so you know what what can we do to energize and this is precisely why I wrote the book I wanted to to share with people that God has revealed to us numerous ways that we can and should energize our lives by tapping into his divine life, which he, he shares with us in so many ways. We'll continue our conversation in our next episode. With Joe Paparaki, we've gone inside the pages of Eight Steps to Energize Your Faith. To learn more about this book or to obtain a copy, go to LoyalaPress.com, the website for its publisher, Loyola Press, or you can find it at any fine Catholic bookstore. To hear and or to download this conversation, along with hundreds of other spiritual formation programs, visit DiscerningHearts.com, or you can find it within the Discerning Hearts free app or wherever you download your favorite podcasts. This has been a production of Discerning Hearts. I'm your host, Chris McGregor. 
We hope that if this has been helpful for you, that you will first pray for our mission, which is to offer authentic and rock-solid spiritual formation freely for souls around the world. And if you feel us worthy, please consider a charitable donation, which is fully tax-deductible, to help support our efforts. But most of all, we hope that you will tell a friend about DiscerningHearts.com and join us next time for Inside the Pages, Insights from Today's Most Compelling Authors.